Welcome to the latest episode of the Evolution Exchange podcast. My name is Sean and I'm joined by a panel of industry leaders to discuss an intriguing topic. Today, it'll be the intersection of design leadership and business strategy. Before we delve deeper into this, let's work our way around the room and make some general introductions. Nikolai, do you want to go first? Yes, thank you. Um, my name is uh, Nurat Vesman. I work for 52 as uh, head of UI development, where we provide uh, POS systems, so point of sales systems. Uh, I've been working here for almost uh, three years, and my primary responsibilities are to prioritize, design, and develop our existing and future solutions. I today lead a team of six developers, including myself. Thank you very much. And Saren? Yes, my name is Saren. Uh, Saren Clausen. I'm the product design lead at Podimo. And Podimo is a, is a podcasting and audiobook platform founded in, in Denmark, but now expanded to to eight markets. Um, so we deliver a, a software solution where users can listen to our content that is exclusively made with Podimo. Um, but also I've spent 10 plus years designing as a consultant for a lot of different startups and bigger companies, everything from apps, websites, design systems. Um, and on this side, I also spent quite a bit of time building my own small business called Circa, which is a, a simple app for managing your, your personal finances. So I love everything from software uh, to simple things to making a difference with what I do. And I try to do that in Podimo as well, where my responsibilities are more towards our team and our design system and making sure that we work in the right ways to, to build the right things, essentially. Perfect. Thank you, sir. And Michael? Yeah, hello. I'm Michael. Um, yeah, I work at C, which is a software a spin-off from uh, a shipping company called Clarkson's. We provide uh, software for the shipping industry, uh, speci specifically trading. Um, yeah, I have yeah, 10, 15 years background in various companies um, as a design director, a head of design, so on. Uh, today, I'm a head of UX have a team of 11 people and sitting across four different uh, locations. Perfect. Thank you, Michael. And last but not least, Hugo. Thank you. And thank you for the invitation to participate in the podcast, Sean. Um, hello, everyone. I'm looking forward to the conversation with all of you. Um, I'm Hugo, Product Design Director at Pleo. We're, uh, we are Europe's leading spend management solution. We help our customers manage their expenses efficiently and insightfully while empowering their people. Uh, we have different types of customers, and my focus is on uh, helping our product teams bring value to our customers and finance teams. And I have um, over 20 years of experience in design, different areas, and lately uh, mostly in tech, uh, fintech. Perfect. Thank you very much, Hugo. So that's your quick introduction to everybody. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, a Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. 
We'll get straight into the topic then with Nikolai's question. Do you want to quickly read out your question, Nikolai, and give us a bit of context about where it came from? Yes, please. Thank you. Um, so first of all, I'll give you a bit of context. Um, so our company, 52, uh, used to be a heavily reliant B2B company uh, where we provided services for businesses. So this would mean that we sell our POS solution uh, where like design played a very little role in landing customers. It was more like feature specific. We could provide like more uh, configurability. We could provide a certain set of features that many customers were either lacking or like missing. And uh, this was actually quite a huge um, topic for us um, back in the days. But now we see like a, a big change uh, in focus. Uh, so uh, I will ask my question, which is uh, how do you see uh, the change of focus on UI UX coming from B2B customers? And how do you adjust your organization to make design a part of the product development process? Do you want to jump in with your opinion then, Soren? No, sorry, it's Michael. Great, great start. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so I do see a change here. Um, however, I, th I think it's vastly different from like a regular consumer UX UI. Um, I do see that they like the ease of use and recognizable patterns and the whole predictability uh, and so on. Um, but they're still, in most cases, uh, mainly function over form. Um, I usually work a lot with uh, B2B clients uh, and have done it in the past and I can see it, uh, a huge difference. Um, I think it's important that we that uh, we can keep saying that, like I've heard a million times before, or oh, they're B2B, they will learn. Uh, and then they just expect that it's normal to have this steep learning curve just because it's B2B. Um, Rather than attacking uh, the problem from a regular point of view in, in UI and UX, um, where it's just about understanding the problem, um, I think it's really important to understand also the ways of working and how they work and what's the set of the working with and so on. Um, are they uh, are they working on a laptop like on a rocket small laptop in the field, uh, getting dust all over the place, having a small screen, or are they a trading company that has like six screens? then build your solution for that and base your design on that. So like, in a, see if you can enhance your experience uh, in that um, rather than just accepting that, oh, we always build for one screen, right? I, I feel like we as leaders need to be better at teaching our peers uh, to understand like the entire aspect of the design we're designing for or the problem. Um, yeah, in general, like it doesn't mean that we can just say like, oh, we're mobile first. <laughs> When there's not a single person in the other end using a mobile for the solution, then it doesn't really make sense to have a certain size of a button when there's no touch point uh, with a finger and so on. Um, and yeah, then the other part about like being level with, uh, I think it's important to be level with the product um, and then have the same involvement really early. Um, I think like you have to start the project together in order to really like uh, make an impact there. Um, yeah, don't let a product manager in somewhere in a similar position just run uh, the process to begin with. Um, be a part of like defining er everything together, uh, goals and the problem and everything as well. I, I think that's that's really important. Thank you for that, Michael. What about yourself, Hugo? What's your take? Thank you. Um, I think my take is very similar to Michael's. Um, there is a quite a difference between B2C and B2B customers. In B2C, users and buyers are often the same. While in B2B, they're different and they have distinct priorities. 
buyers focus on return on of investment, while users prioritize prioritize ease of use and work workflow integration. So some B two B companies underinvest uh, in product design, prioritizing sales and engineering, and they view design as a, a luxury for end users, and um, and that's even after achieving commercial success. But if you want to solve hard problems for your customers and and for the business in ways that your customers love yet work for the business, you need to have teams where product management, design and engineering are working together from discovery to delivery. So the team is responsible for addressing four different types of risks. And that's value risk. Will the customers buy our solution or, or choose to use it? Viability risk, will this solution work for our business? Is, is it something we can effectively and legally get to market, sell, service, fund, and monetize? Usability risk, can the user easily learn, use, and perceive the solution value? And finally, feasibility risk. Do we know how to build and scale this solution with the staff, time, technology, and data we have? And in order to achieve that and to mitigate those risks and negotiate those risks, you need at least three roles in a team. So that that would be like, um, yeah, basically, how do you make design part of the product development process? It should be on your product operating model. Thank you very much, Hugo. And I know for yourself, Soren, you don't necessarily come from the B2B background, but what is your take on this? Yeah, I think it's really interesting to hear from uh, from Michael and Hugo what what their takes are. And I, I thought about something similar here. I think there's... There's definitely, as like designers of craft, you're close to the user and you're used to solving problems for a user. But in a B2B scenario, your user might be an organization or there might be the split, as we heard from the, the customer that is actually deciding to buy your product might not be the end user at all. So there's some completely different interests here. And I think there's actually a lot of similarities to, to a lot of companies, even when we build our in-house product that the interests of our users and the interests of our internal teams might differ, might not align at all. Um, and I think it's really important that a design team ends up being in a position where you can tackle both and participate in discussions around this. Um, as designers, we, we can easily sit in isolation. We can design good solutions, but it's all about getting all of the information in and then building the right solution. And we never do that in isolation, right? Um, I think many designers over the years, when, when they work with a team, they'll find out that just the split between designers and developers can cross uh, misalignment and things are not being communicated. And I think this happens across the board, right? From from a client to a PM to a designer. And if, if everything is, is kind of being ordered through that flow and the designer is not close to the customer in any way, we end up building a product that might not align with the needs of the business or the end user in the end. So I think it's really crucial that design is not in isolation. Design isn't necessarily a designer doing it. Design is a thing we do as a team together with clients, users, PMs, developers, and so on, right? That collaboration is really important to build the right things. So I think one thing is to change in focus on UI and UX, but how do you then adjust the organization? I think if it's not already cross-functional teams working on the product, I think that's definitely the, the direction you should take. But I'm, I'm curious to hear, uh, Nikolai, what, 
how you kind of reacted to this change. Well, uh, first of all, thanks for all your, your like uh, great inputs in this specific. I'll actually just uh, like prior to me explaining or like also discussing why uh, we see this change. Uh, so first of all, I'll actually point out your your point, uh, Michael, about involvement, uh, because it, like we see like a very important thing on like involving B2B customers also in, in the process of designing their specific product. Because like we as a POS provider has like different frameworks that can like adjust to the each customer need. And therefore it also becomes more of a, uh, usually it was like, okay, we have this solution, this is what we provide. And then we can adjust like minor things. But now it seems like customers would actually more or less want their own solution. So if they're not involved in the development or design process, uh, actually a bunch of uh, customers could actually try to look elsewhere. Uh, so for us, we see more like a transition moving more towards that they have some similarities, both B2B and B2C wise. Uh, so it actually, it, it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, and therefore it also points to what Hugo is saying about return of investment because they would actually also see, okay, we have in, invested a lot of, in, of de designing our specific product for our POS uh, and how it works for our company. Uh, and they also see like a good point of like return of investment for them. Uh, and that also aligns with what Swan is saying that alignment is very important here for, for like getting the user experience that they actually would like and also would uh, invest more in, in the future as well. Yeah, and, and to you, Nikolai, as well, it also sounds like from you, like in your specific case, because you're building a POS system, like they are focusing even more on the design from your side, because like by doing that, they'll own the entire brand experience, right? Because they will have an end customer that is not like who you're providing your software towards, but actually somebody else. And in order to have like that full blown experience, like you have to be able to deliver to a certain standard, right? And that sets the bar even higher. Totally. Uh, it's it's all about like what they also expect from their own company. So they take like their own product guidelines, their own business guidelines, and try to put it on our product as well and say, okay, we needed to do this and we needed to do that, uh, which then enhances their own brand identity. And that's like an important part of it. And also like, as you also mentioned that they also have like requirements for speed and et cetera, uh, which also like uh, for, for, yeah, for the customers that they have as well. Perfect. Has anyone got any last bits they'd like to say on that question? All looking good. In that case, we will move on to Soren's question then. Do you want to introduce yourself, Soren, and give us a bit more context behind where it comes from? Yes, of course. So I think we've all seen over the course of the last 10, 15, 20 years, maybe even, the rise of, of design thinking and its role in, in, in building products and businesses. And you especially see it with with the startup culture that this is really at the center of, of many of the, the biggest businesses that has been built since 25 or 20, 2010 around there, right? So there's, there has been this focus on designers' role in businesses. Um, but I'm curious to hear your take on why you think it makes sense for design teams to push towards more impact on the vision, on the strategy of a business. Why can we as designers actually support that work there and, and, and drive that vision? So maybe we can start up with you, Michael. Yeah, sure. Um, 
I don't necessarily think it's important to wish for more impact, to be honest. Um, but it like that requires that the strategy or the vision is clear, right? Um, because if it's clear enough and your organization is built the way, uh, like so it actually supports that thinking, it's not a need, right? Uh, I'm in a position right now when I'm working in in a completely opposite uh, company that you just mentioned. Like I'm, we're not from 2010 or later. We're actually 150 years old, right? Uh, so we're a really, really old company, meaning like there's a lot, a lot of things that need to change, and there's a lot of behavior within our our uh, not only our users but also our uh, company, right? Um, but I think it's more important to think of it in a different way that it has to be connected to the customer, right, and ensure that that's happening, right? So as long as they have that tick on the vision and the strategy, then I don't mind that we don't like push to have a bigger impact on that. Um, we are uh, now in the last six to 10 months, uh, made, we've made a shift, right? From being way more product-led and that obviously puts the, uh, the, the, the customer in, in the center of attention as well. So that helped uh, quite a bit. Uh, but I don't think that the, 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 vision has to necessarily come from a design team. Um, however, I think it's good to involve the design team because you have like so many tools you can utilize to also um, get the vision and strategy into the to the entire company, right? So what we have done here, like we've built a vision type, right? So it's easier for everybody in the organization to understand uh, where are we going? Like getting that visualized version of the strategy, like this is what we are at, uh, trying to reach. This is our mirage. This is where we want to end up being. We're probably never going to get there, but at least we have a tar target, right? And it's a great way for us to align and be sure that whatever comes down to then our strategy and our OKRs and everything is like, it's aligned in that. We can see that little sparks of interest coming down, but we didn't really have an impact on the entire strategy, anything like that. We're just there to support it, visualize it for people that has a different way of understanding where we're taking it. And then there's the other th part of it is that it's really good for the design team to have done that on the other side, because moving forward, that is our guiding star to ensure that we can actually deliver on the strategy and the vision and everything because we were involved in that line of work. So like, for me, yeah, to sum it up, we don't necessarily have to be involved in that process, but I think what we can then afterwards deliver to the entire organization is just as valuable. And Hugo, what is your take on that? Yeah, um, the design teams pushing for more impact on a business vision or a strategy uh, can make sense for several reasons. Overall, uh, integrating design team into the strategic decision-making process can result in more comprehensive and effective strategies. Uh, I think that uh, those strategies would meet business goals and uh, prioritize the user experience and satisfaction, um, basically. And there's, um, according to the Nielsen Norman Group, at the highest level of UX maturity, everyone, everyone is fully enlightened about user experience design. Understanding user needs through research is the primary driver um, of the organization's strategy and project prioritization. And there are at least two, uh, I can at least recall two reports about the impact of design maturity on the business. Um, one is uh, one has been done by Envision and the other one by McKinsey, and they basically prove that good design is good business. So, yeah, perfect. And then Nikolai, what would you say? Uh, yes. So 
I actually both uh, kind of agree with Michael, but also kind of disagree. Uh, because, uh, like, I see, even though I've worked for this, uh, like, for 52 for only about three years, there's always, like, some sense of inaccurate in ability. So it's, it's, it's always seems like the business strategy can be somewhat inaccurate. Uh, so, so I see, like, uh, like, it makes sense for design teams to be, to have more impact, at least on the vision. Uh, one is to, like, uh, have a more user centric approach where like design teams are involved in shaping, refining, and therefore also improving the vision and the strategy. Uh, because if they don't understand what they're actually designing to, then who will then? So, and that also like corresponds and will also help to communicate the business. Uh, that also allows us uh, to have a more like cross-functional workflow where we can like help the different um, different aspects of the company because like we as designers are great in like visual communication where we can like communicate what we visually see of the company. So if we also have some kind of um, way of shaping and refining the vision strategy, vision and strategy, then I think it would benefit the entire company uh, to this thing. But uh, I'm also like really curious of what your takes are on, on this. Yeah, really interesting to hear your opinions here. I, we've been through uh, a lot in Podimo the last year or year and a half, uh, specifically around our product vision. So we've been through a process where we had a vision, but for the product specifically, we we started to kind of run out of of clear ideas that we wanted to build. Right, we the company had been going on for three four years at that point. And now we needed to take the step further and say, okay, we really need to push this. We really need to differentiate ourselves from all of our competitors. Um, and we took it upon ourselves in the product team to drive this process. First of all, because we are a software company or partly a software company at least. And that's where we can really differentiate from other podcasting and audiobook platforms, right? Podcasts are mostly free. Audiobooks are mostly the same on any platform. So how can you differentiate? And that became um, a focus on, on our product team. And what we did here was to actually do a lot of workshops with our entire product team across strategy, data, across uh, development, engineering, uh, research, design, all of the capabilities that we have. And we also included kind of heads up and, and leads from all of our content teams and local teams to really discuss what we think we can bring to the table, what makes Podimo unique. Um, and there's, as I see it, business strategy and product vision is two very different things, right? Business strategy, how you approach the market and, and how you end up making money is one thing. And then how the product supports that is the product vision. And we focused a lot on the product vision because our business strategy is very clear. Um, so, so I think you all actually mentioned the, the role of the end user, right? Um, designers are very close to the end user and we're usually fairly far from business strategy. But because we're so close to the end user, the way we empathize with the users, the way we understand their struggles, the way we understand our tech and how all of that works, it actually enables us to come up with creative ideas and ideas for how the product could be in, I don't know, one year, three years, five years, right? And as you mentioned, we can fairly easily visualize this. 
And I think that's really the superpower of, of design in this context is that we can, in an hour or two, design something that might take a few years to build, or we can visualize what the experience would be like, and that can spark discussions even on a leadership investor level in a company, right? It doesn't have to be a design team talking about it. It's actually the full company. You can get their ideas flowing from the, just designing and maybe creating something that is a bit provocative, that is a bit out there, that is a bit different from how we build our product today. Um, and we've seen this being really effective in Podimo recently that a designer can have an idea or get an idea for, from somewhere in the business, design it and share it. Um, and that's, then the ball starts rolling and might take a half a year or a year for it to end up in a product. But I think it's really interesting how our ability to create something quickly, make it look real, actually impacts the vision of the company and where we want to take it in the future. So it's kind of a snowball effect, right? It's, it's one person um, coming up with something, but it ends up having a big impact on how or where we are taking our product. I think I think it's funny, uh, son, to hear that uh, like the whole superpower thing, right? Like we do have some sort of like superpower uh, in our position because the thing is like there's so many things happening in a company, right? And a lot of that goes down to conversation and alignment between people. But as soon as you actually visualize something, you have some like you have a common ground, something to discuss from, right? And the fact is everybody has an opinion about design because you can all see it, right? <laughs> Whereas like not everybody has the same opinion about the backend code in a software company right but you have it here and this sparks con conversation and it's like oh we can we can use it not only to set the the goals our vision our strategy and such but also like smaller things like oh but how does this work and should we do this instead or like have we considered this and that and, and as soon also as you turn it into a prototype and get it in your hands like it's another level of question that's been that's been raised right so yeah i think it, it's fun to hear the how you attack the problem here for sure yeah, exactly. Like that superpower is something that we're really, we're really starting to exploit as much as we can. I think getting people to talk and and using design as a collaboration tool, right? It's it's not one person designing. We're just the ones that are able to visualize it fairly quickly. But it's a really good tool to get people talking, and that's how we approach it. Nicola, I can see you want to jump in there. Yes. Uh, also, like like going the other way around, because it can also, like uh, to some extent, also destroy ideas. Okay, we have this big idea of the product going this way, or we can add this feature because it'll enhance some feature or change a feature to make it even better. But when we design it and then show it to the company or like just some users, just say, what's this? Like, we can't use this. So it'll also, like, uh, it'll also help, uh, like, improving the product in also like maybe just so to speak to a more negative way so like disclaiming also or removing features that are not uh, like not use of or not, not to be used at least for users so i think that's also like a valuable thing in this yeah there's there's of course many ways to figure out if it's a good idea to build right i think when you when you're looking at a product vision it's okay to make something that might be a bit might not be the right thing right but it might start a lot of conversations and obviously, deciding to build something should be based on other things than great ideas. But gut feeling is also valid, I'd say, at least for a start. But it's a good point. And Hugo, I can see you're waiting to jump in too. Yes, thank you. Uh, I agree with uh, both perspectives. Um, and I'm going to quote Uncle Ben here. Um, with great power comes great responsibility. 
And um, it is because I've seen teams working on, on visions with the purpose of um, getting the company excited, but using, for example, different colors than the brand colors or, or making some intentional decisions on how to make sure that the company doesn't think this is something we're going to build and still getting reactions from people saying, hey, are we changing our brand colors? Or, or saying, why are we building this? This is so hard. And then creating more confusion than direction. So I think it's very important to be very intentional and communicate what is the purpose of it, because it could be a great tool, but it could be also uh, a weapon that destroys what, what you know the company is trying to build. So. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think there is a bit of educating a company in everything we show is not going to be built. Um, and in, in Podimo, it, we've always been very open, but at least the, the last six months, maybe a bit more than that, we've shown a lot of things, but we've also been mindful of what we say. Um, of course, internally, right? We, sh we show a lot of ideas internally to a lot of stakeholders. Uh, all the way up to um, to the founders and, and get their input and ideas on it. And we we design things on a weekly basis that is never, ever going to come into the product, but it sparks conversation. And I think it it is definitely a, a learning curve for a team to, to approach design in that way that 80% of what we design will never exist, but it's, it's exploring ideas, right? Has anybody got anything else they'd like to jump in with there? All looking good. Well, thank you very much for that. And in that case, do you want to move on to your question, Michael? Give us a bit of context about where yours comes from. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so it's a different type of question here, first of all. Like I, I took over a team um, a while ago here now, then, <clears throat> and they didn't have any direction and they came from different cultures. They had different ways of working. There were not really any alignment, right? There was no common ground, basically. So for me, like I had to build a foundation for them to work uh, together and bring them together, working on a vision type. So also aligning that with the OKRs and all of that together, right? And some of the things that we went through was obviously like, yeah, we need our design values. We need all of these kind of things. And one of the things we spoke a lot about was like, why are we even building design principles? right how can we utilize something like design principles to the top level so my questions to you guys were more like how can design leaders effectively collaborate with executive leadership to ensure that design principles are integrated to the overarching business strategy from top down yep. and hugo could you start on this yes thank you um I think this question taps a bit into the topic i mentioned previously that's uh design maturity and um, basically, this is not a, a recipe on how to do it, but there are a few things that we can do to, to prove the value of design. And I think that's the key, proving the value of design across the company. Um, and I think it, that for designers, for design leaders to collaborate effectively with executive leadership, we need to educate them, basically. We need to educate them on the value of design. We need to demonstrate a clear connection between design effort and business outcomes. And we must actively seek opportunities to participate in strategic discussions and decision-making processes. Um, throughout my career, and I, I've, I've done it as well, I'm guilty of that, I've complained that I didn't have a seat on the table until um, a director, one of my, my bosses once told me, yeah, you don't have a seat on the table, then go and grab it. You know, like just stick your nose where you think you're relevant. Nobody's going to invite you. 
You just have to push yourself in. So um, that is one thing. Uh, we also need to foster collaboration by creating cross-functional teams that includes representatives from design. And I'm a very big advocate for what uh, Martin Kagan called power teams. And I've been pushing it in every company I go, I push for this disempowerment where you have the product trio working together equally and they're all accountable for the results. You don't have one leader in the team accountable for it. This is the team making decisions. The team is accountable for the results. So they need to be informed on like, how are you impacting not just user, but also business. Um, we need to position ourselves as a strategic partner so rather than just a service provider, right? So like people come in and saying, hey, you're a designer, go and push some pixels so this looks like a good idea. That's not our role, right? Our role should be more strategic. And whenever possible, we should also quantify the impact of design on business metrics. And that one is a tricky one and it needs time to be built, but we should prioritize it because that's a very good way to demonstrate the value of design. And finally, I think we should foster a culture within the organization that values design and benefits from it. That, that would be the result of all this, according to me. <laughs> but as I mentioned, it's not like a recipe. There are just ideas that you need to put together and start doing. Um, uh, what is your take on it, uh, Nikolai? Well, I actually kind of agree with you. Uh, I also like talking into what the business, like uh, business strategy. Uh, so I think like one point here, is to like for for us to actually uh, like collaborate efficiently uh, we need to understand the business goals like if we don't familiarize uh, with our with ourselves uh, with like the overall business goals and strategies uh, then who will so like this will help us uh, align the design principles with like a broad objectives of uh, the company but also like uh, talking into like a more so this is more like uh, strategic and heavily like um, heavy business strategy but also like uh, on a more like low level so like open to feedback and adaptability so so like if we uh, inside our teams and also like if we're just open to feedback uh, then then we we will always like it'll be flexible we'll get a lot of insights both from like uh, leadership we'll all may, we'll also get like insights from uh, from people below or like anywhere uh, so i think like feedback is a is a major point here because we can always we can always use feedback uh, to to strengthen our own knowledge and also strengthen our company as well uh, so I think that's a that's a major point of it. Thank you for that, Nikolai. And Soren, what do you think on that? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting uh, challenge here because I I think many of us has tried to work on something where um, when you look at the principles that we build a feature on or build a product on, as designers we we tend to value more than just business outcomes, right? We value the good experience. We value uh, an emotional connection to a product. Um, and we heard that the, an, an easy way to get impact is, is if that impact can be measured, but not everything is measurable, at least not um, in a kind of quick closed loop feedback session, right? So it's a situation, it's, it's difficult to get that ongoing feedback that this product is amazing because I just feel like I had a connection to it. It aligned with my principles, my ways to approach life. 
Like you, you don't get to hear that. And if you like, of course, design principles can be technical and can be measured, some of them, but especially the ones where you start to empathize or where they're more soft or more ethical. I think that's where I've experienced challenges with, with aligning with stakeholders or leadership, right? My approach has often been to be very passionate about especially those principles that I really believe that this is the way we should do it. This is the way we should push it and then keep leadership and stakeholders close. I get them excited about it too. Um, and I realize it's not in every company that you can get very close to the CEO or um, the leadership team. But I think it's important to have advocates for design, for design systems or for design principles. If no one is passionate about it, then why should the leadership be passionate, right? Um, so I really like what you said, Hugo, about like you'll never get a seat at the table unless you almost force yourself into that room, right? You need to like put out the argument, why does it make sense to fight for this? Why does it make sense to push for this or that principle? Um, I think it's still a challenge for us at Party Mode to, to set up principles that are not measurable because we are, or at least historically, has been very much focused on growth, right? And I think many startups has been focused on growth. And the moment you see an opportunity for growth, you throw out all of your ethical and moral considerations because you see money at the end, right? Um, and in situations like that, it is really important to have individuals that really fight for for these principles and for these values. And that's that's what we try to do. We haven't really solved it yet. I don't think everything is solvable necessarily in an easy way. Um, I think it's it's a it's a challenge I very much relate to. But maybe I can uh, I can throw the, this back to you, Michael. Have you solved it? I don't know if I've solved it at all. To be honest, I think uh, I think it's so it's so different from from like the various companies, right? I think. Uh, your position in Podimo is probably a, a bit easier because of who works there and, and like how new the company is compared to the one I'm in, right? How do you tell like a CEO from a, an old, old, old school company uh, like that design is important and he's just like looking yeah. at the dollar sign in the button, right? And be like, I just want more of this. Uh, so yeah, it, it's different. And and I think I'm, I'm super um, agreeing with Hugo on the whole part. It's like we have to teach them, right? We have to teach them what value we can actually bring and 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 also like if we can actually make, make it measurable as we all mentioned here it'll just make it better right and not everything is but like you can still provide something where you can say like look at the nps going up or is similar like satisfaction ratings or so on right um but also think that like if you can show uh, the leadership that you understand the the business the strategy and their goals and then you create um the different principles and connect them to those things and explain it and keep it over time. And then by like your, I don't know if you have check-ins or you have like annual OKRs and stuff that you're following and see like, this is the stuff we've set up. And now you can see that everybody is, is starting to do the same thing over and over again. And now we're actually going in the right direction. I think that's where it, it becomes really valuable, but it's just funny. It's like, so sometimes I just see these like uh, design principles from designers because they took it out of a book, right? like well we have to do this this and that i'm like yeah but you're not actually understanding what the business is right like and and i saw i've seen it in a company like this before where i'm like we're definitely not mobile first and that was one of the principles that was brought up it's like we have to be mobile first and like 
that doesn't make any sense, guys. It's like mobile is like our mobile solution is not even like a responsive solution or like a full blown solution. It's a companion to a few of the features we support in a desktop environment, right? So why are we mobile first? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, so yeah, I was just I was just really curious to hear your point of view on like how are you bringing such a like specific design thing into an overall uh, company. Thank you, guys. And sir? Yeah, maybe I can just add a bit to that because I, I think what you said here at the end is, is really interesting. Like, why are we bringing such a design-centric thing into a big company? And maybe that's one of the areas where we force something that is really important to us onto a bigger stage where it might not be as important at all. Like, who else in the company would necessarily use or be guided by the design principles on a day-to-day -day basis? I don't think a lot. Um, it, it would depend on the company, obviously. Um, but I, I do think that aligning on values or approaches is interesting and is important. It might not be um, on, a, on a design principle level, um, but aligning on what product you want to build or how you want to build it or who you're building it for or why you're building it is really important. And then we can base our design principles on that. Um, it might not be that the design principles are at the top of the hierarchy, right? It might be a few steps down from there. Yeah, but I think essentially, like you're you're starting to create patterns, right? You create patterns and ways of working, and by creating like fundamental patterns and and, and turn it into a a mindset more or less like in your designers. That means that we will be aligned in how we do things, how our problem uh, product will be, and how it will evolve, rather than just setting up like strict rules on how to use this component over that component. Right? It's it's a different way of approaching a problem and trying to solve it in the same ways because you can utilize a bit of a checklist to move forward. And and I yeah, think that's where it becomes powerful, right? And Hugo. Yeah, I. Um... I think this is uh, related to what Sir mentioned. Uh, you made me think about like it's not necessarily. It doesn't have to be necessarily top down. It can also be bottom up, right? Right. Once you have your your principles out there, and depending how you are crafting your principles, if you manage to basically evangelize the whole company on the principles, and everybody is aware of the principles, and they laugh and breathe the principles then this is a, that's also a very powerful tool because you, you apply them not just on how you design or develop products, but also how you act. What, it, what, what, it, what are you about? And um, we experienced something like that. I've experienced it myself that we, we recently hired a new VP of design. And, um, and the reason why um, he was interested in the position was because he was in a conference where Playo was some years ago. And he he approached the you know the stand where you have the player team because like branding wise player is very strong and he was like attracted by the brand and, and then uh, he was approached by two people in sales and they talked so much about the user experience and the design principles that he thought it was incredible because that's not normal where people that are not in design are so aware of user experience, the principles, and so on. So that's like how how much it is embedded in, in the culture of the company and the global understanding of it. And I think that's also very powerful. Yeah, I think they're all great insights there and a great discussion around that topic. So anyone got anything else they'd like to round off with there? 
all looking good to me. So in that case, last but not least, again, let's move on to yours, Hugo. Cool. Thanks. Um, yeah, my question is, um, what are you doing to raise the sound maturity in your organization? And I think I mentioned this topic a, a couple of times. Um, so basically, to simplify it, design maturity is like the awareness of design and how design is actually embedded in shaping the strategy of the company. Um, Nikolai, we're going to start with you. Yes. Um, so this also talks a bit into what I also asked or also like answered on my own question. So like our organization has a history, um, like we're based, uh, like we, we got founded in 1952 and therefore also the name 52. Uh, and like we have a history where like UI, UX and like design maturity was not really a part of the, the culture and also like the development process of the product. It was more like, okay, what would the customer want? Okay, that's what we develop. So, and like three years ago, uh, I come in and it's it's like, it's new. Like we have, we have a CTO that also talks into like design and design, the importance of design. And then I was like the sole driver of UI UX for like, okay, like how do we mature the company to see the importance of design? Uh, so like I started from the, from the bottom uh, and I say, like, okay, okay, where can we make the most impact? So first of all, like uh, I looked into, okay, what are we actually doing today with regards to design? Uh, and we did not really do that much. We followed some basic principles, but not nothing major. Uh, then I, I used a bunch of my time in like uh, aligning with leadership. So, so, so to make like the leadership understand what like the importance of like having a design maturity in your organization or like, like really going towards testing your designs for customers. Uh, and then like, we actually also introduced like this way, like going for like wireframes and mockups and usability testing while like developing new features and also customer requests. So like going from like, okay, I have this, uh, this requirements, so this list of requirements for the customer, I'll try to do like some, some research on that basing on like different customers and also different solutions. And then uh, like trying to wireframe and mock up to, to the customer's uh, brand identity to see like, okay, can we make this work? And that actually helped a lot of features in the future like being developed. Uh, so, so like uh, we're still like very far away from having like a, a good design maturity, but at least I see like we have moved uh, like a lot uh, looking back three years from now. Thank you for that, Nick Lyon. What do you think then, Saren? Yeah, I think design maturity is, is what we're all pushing for every day, right? Um, and I think to, to like, if you look at where we want to be, we want to, of course, have a, have a pleasant every day where we go to work and we know we have impact and there's no struggles and there's everything is just working out and everyone understands what we're doing and why we're doing it. Um, I think again, as Michael mentioned before, I think I'm in a really lucky position here to be in a company where design was one of the first things that was hired in the company. Um, it was a priority from the start, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the organization per se is, is mature. Um, a few weeks ago, I, I was unlocking the door to the office and there's a, a cat pulling up and Borden Stormer, the CEO of Podimo, uh, steps out. And the first thing he says to me is, son, I've, uh, I was just thinking about you. Um, and then he pulled out his app and showed me a feature I've been working on that hasn't been 
released yet and he pointed at a button and said is that supposed to be that color so at, at the very top we have a ceo that notices that a color of a button was wrong um he was right and we obviously fixed it when the ceo tells you to um but to me that's like we're really lucky that we have a ceo that cares about the color of button but from going from that to having uh an organization where uh, solving things with design or giving time for research before designing or understanding problems deeply before shaping solutions. It's not really the same thing, right? You might have a few individuals that care about design, um, but we've been really pushing for a bit more structure in, in Podimo. When I started one and a half year ago, um, I was essentially the only designer. We had another designer, but he was basically managing the bigger product team as well. Um, so when I talk about design, it's actually, we're so ingrained in the product team. So it was actually a task for the entire product team to justify our existence. And the way that we did that was just open up a lot, communicate, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? How are we doing it? And invite everyone in to be a part of that. Um, the logical step for us in the start was doing that with uh, inviting into quarterly roadmap sessions to ideate and also evaluate on on our decisions on what to build. Um, but as time has has, has uh, gone on here, we we actually set up weekly design reviews where the entire team can join in, and it's just a discussion around what we are designing, how we are designing it, what we are prioritizing, um, how we are approaching certain certain topics and challenges. And it's open for pretty much anyone to to join in and and give feedback to our designers. Um, and I think that's really what has helped us uh, get on the map in the company. And we're starting to set up some structure around this, right? There's a cadence of weekly meetings with these design reviews. Um, within our product teams, we set up touch points with our most important stakeholders within the company. And we're also starting to shape up some tools and templates to to start a project the same way. Now we are four or five designers. Everyone is starting their projects in, in different ways. Um, we all have different backgrounds and different skill sets. So some might start with writing assumptions and hypotheses and figuring out how to validate, while others are maybe more visual and jump directly into visual design. Um, so we are at a point where we're starting to get some structure. We have some good cadences going. We have a lot of awareness of what we're doing and why we're doing it. But now we need to put some kind of structure on how we are approaching our process to make sure that everyone knows how to collaborate with us. Because if, if you work with one designer, it's in one way, another designer, another way. Um, so I personally quite like the chaotic collaboration of everyone can do what they want to. But as we start to scale, these structures are needed. I don't think a lot of structure is good but some is, is important. Thank you for the insight there, sir. And what would you say to that, Michael? <clears throat> yeah, again, I think it really varies on the type of company, right? I mean, getting in my position with such an old company, like it's a different take, right? And the approach that I have in well and just saying like, instead of having to deal with all this stuff about like, oh, you have to sell in the benefits of design eternally and spend the time to create hype around it and all of that, it's more like, what about like looking at it from a product point of view, right? Like we're set up in product trios anyway. So we have like a product uh, designer or like a UX. In some cases, we have a, a tech lead and we and we also have a, um, a product manager sitting in, in trios, right? 
and we also have reviews for the entire company, but it's all about like the product and it's all about the the value we bring and whatever problem we're solving. It's not actually about design, but obviously design is a big part of it, but it's a different point of view because we're discussing the product and not the design. And you can see how the design brings value, right? But I think that's one thing. And then it's another thing is also to teach your designer like what their job is. Because some designers that get into a company and think like they're artists and there's a huge difference of being an artist and a designer. And I think like product designers in, in type of work we're doing, like they rarely spend their primary primary time on design. They use it more on stakeholder management, right? And and also keep having to some extent this like selling internally like the idea, creating hype. So everybody getting is getting excited about where we get like next right like what's the next big thing we're going to build it's going to be crazy when we build it and all of that and then it's all about like teach 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 internally right like tell them like what we're doing and what we bring to the like the value and stuff i think it's so much to do about that right and then really approaching the whole uh like the design point of view or product point of view or like being a problem solving first rather than being a feature factory right I hate the what I call the the CEO a barbecue solution. That's where he stands, like the CEO stands with his friend on a Sunday night making barbecue in his garden, and he comes up with a good idea. And Monday morning is priority one, right? Uh, that's not really how it should be, unless it's based on like an assumption that's that's solving a problem or something, right? So I think it's to me it's more about like that point of view. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be that design has to be the number one because. I feel like combining a designer with a product manager and a tech lead, that's your product team. And that is your number one. That That's the approach you have because that also gives you the entire alignment across the board from the get-go rather than being like a designer first. And we kept being sort of waterfall like that. So I, I, I'd rather go with the other way around. But I'm curious to hear, like you asked the question, Hugo. So <laughs> what's up with this? Yeah, and thank you everyone for your great perspectives. I, uh... I agree with all of you, and it is also a matter of how big is the company and if the information and things flow organically, right? For that, I've also tried to, before Corona, when we had office spaces to involve everyone in the company, you know, like just based in the science and asking customer support to leave, uh, you know, feedback with sticky notes. So then people are in the design process. But when you have bigger companies, uh, what I've experienced is that People are coming from different uh, backgrounds and they, they have different experiences. And, and unfortunately, in a lot of these cases, people are coming from a waterfall environment that is called uh, agile, but it is not. So, um, and for that, I'm going to get very tactical. And what I'm trying to do is um, I try to visualize my approach using a pyramid. So I understand what is the number one priority and the foundational work that needs to be done. And, uh, and I'm pretty aligned with Michael on that one. I think it starts by defining our product operating model. And that's an empowered model where you have the proper product trio working together and then standardize the processes, right? So it's written down. So if someone is deviating or, try, or trying to implement the process they're coming from their previous company, you say, no, let's work according to the handbook. It has to be a little bit rigid, I would say, to, to, to be able to control it. Um, after that, it's about upscaling the cross-functional roles by mentoring them. And I'm mentoring cross-functional roles because it's not just design. 
is at least the three primary roles that you need to mentor into. How do you work together? How do you get work done? Um, then standardizing design quality metrics and benchmarking UX to track and communicate improvements over time. That is very tactical, but that's a way to actually scale it and, and make it visible that is valuable. And finally, quantify the impact of design on the business. Um, if you manage to do that and you keep doing that, it is sustainable. So there is, um, there is this um, UX level of maturity um, article that you can find from Newton Norman Group, right? And level six is where design is integrating. But if you read on the risk is that you go back to the previous level because it's not sustainable. So there is a big effort into sustaining this, this level, right? And there is also a big effort into moving into this level. Most comp companies are in, stuck in level three, where there is a bit of it, but it goes and comes. Um, yeah, Michael? Yeah. yeah, I'm also curious, right? Because I also have the idea that like, Obviously, it's important, right, to to um, to have a certain level, but that we don't necessarily have to talk about it. That we as leaders can just see where it's going. We have our personal vision of how we do these things, and we integrate it in various ways, right? Like I said, like I'm doing it through the product way by saying like bringing design into the product team shows that we have a value. That team understands we have a value. That means that when that team is going to showcase their work, no matter if it's the product lead, uh, I mean, the product manager or the, the product design lead or the tech lead, they're all going to fight for the same thing, right? Because they are aligned on it. And a big part of that, like, is the design. So I think, like, it's also, like, I don't necessarily need to, go in and ex explain it to the entire company how important design is because the way we're running it is that they sort of know, but I just haven't told them out loud, so to speak. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right around like how to approach sharing or educating the, the organization on the importance of what we do. I think design should never be viewed as like design is important. Design is just a tool to build a great product, right? And these trios is also something we're doing at, at, at Podimo. And it, it's it really like I don't talk about the color of a button unless it's uh, the CEO stepping out of a cab. It's uh, we, we talk about building the right product and in, impacting the right things. If that's a metric that makes us money in the end or if that's improving something for the user, it's a product talk. It's not a design talk. And I think it's interesting what you said, Hugo, around uh, upskilling the individual team members, right? The, the place where design has to place itself in an organization is kind of a, it's a touch point for a lot of things, right? And then we can shape that into a solution. And the designers doing that has to be good at the visual stuff because that becomes second priority almost, right? Because that's the tool to, to bring impact. But then you need to understand how to read a chart to see if the data is, is being impacted in the correct way, understand how users are, are navigating around, understand how the business is working. You're not a designer anymore. You, you're more than that, right? You need to understand a lot of things. And I think by doing that, you end up being that really valuable bridge between developers, strategists, data analysts, uh, product managers, the CEO that has a great idea, and then you can validate it, right? Um, and I, I personally like to be in that spot, but it also requires your designers to be quite senior, right? 
if you're struggling to build something that is just easy to use, then you don't have the bandwidth to to support all of the other things. So it also, yeah, it's it's quite a senior setup to do it that way at least. Yeah, I totally agree. I also think that like it's something I experienced, right? Like first you want to just like master your craft, right? You want to be, your goal is to become the best designer out there, right? And then suddenly you're like, hey, I can also help over here. And I actually understand this part. You understand the business and such. And then like some of us uh, also say like, oh, I actually have a, a great interest in people as well, like, right? I actually want to teach them what I know and, and and see them grow and so on. And then you become that glue that you're talking about, like how we're con- connecting so many dots, right? Because, and and I think that, yeah, the whole idea of like being the, being the one that can actually start the idea as well, right? Like getting something down on paper, something to talk about. It's such a valuable uh, part of the entire process. And I think that's why we're so valuable in in these companies, even though no, not every level of the company and every position understands why. I I understand why, but I'm also a designer myself, right? So <laughs> big clap to us, guys. Thank you all very much again for that. That's it. I was going to say, do you want to give the round of applause? <laughs> now, has anyone got anything else they'd like to round off with there on that point? No, I think uh, a last a last point here is that I think just talking about how we want to do things or what our challenges are is important. We're doing it here, right? Um, but doing it in our teams as well and being honest about what works and what doesn't is the first step to start improving. So I really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you all for bringing questions and being here. Yeah, thank you guys. It, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. So, and to round it off, I'd like to say my thank you to all of you for participating today. It's been great to hear about your your insights, your experiences, and to give you the opportunity to discuss the challenges that you currently face and like you just mentioned there, Soren. If you are an industry leader listening to this and would like to join us on a future episode, please contact me on sean.thompson at evolution-nordics.com or reach out to me on LinkedIn. But for now, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you all soon.